This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Delivering tonight really comes from a very personal place of something that took place with me about a week ago. And I want you to bear with me because I believe the Lord is going to breathe fresh life into each and every one of your hearts. And for those of you whose dreams have died, who find yourself in a hopeless place, or perhaps just for the most part you're discouraged, I'm really trusting the Holy Spirit to do something very special this evening. You see, some messages are taught. Other messages have to be caught. And tonight, I hope that you catch something. This morning I taught you, but tonight I want you to catch something. So I want you to listen very carefully what the Spirit is saying to you. And like I said, it's a personal message. I want to thank Pastor Theon Bear for the opportunity that I have of teaching this word to you tonight. And I really believe that God will be glorified and magnified through the process. So won't you just, won't you just close your eyes and let's just pray, pray together. Let's just give this over to the Lord and, and see what God is going to do. Father, we just come before you humbly this evening in the wonderful and the precious name of Jesus. Thank you for your presence. You are enthroned on the praises of your people. And tonight we believe that you've been enthroned right here in this building and in the hearts of each and every person. Lord, as I teach tonight on the subject, it's time to dream again. I really pray that your presence would stir every single heart. That your word and the account of Lazarus would cause faith to rise in every single person, dispelling all fear, hopelessness, and anxiety. Father, I thank you for your joy that is present here tonight that touches each and every person. And in advance, Lord, truly, I give you all the praise, the honor, and glory for everything that will be accomplished. And all those who agreed said, Amen. This last week, we were away as a staff praying and spending time together team building. And every morning, it's our custom that we pray together. On Wednesday morning specifically, I woke up stirred and we were praying together as a staff. And I remember as I was praying that a specific tongue came upon me. And I began to pray in tongues, but a different tongue to what I usually pray. And I sensed in my heart that God was doing something. At that moment, I didn't really believe that it had anything to do with tonight. I thought maybe the Lord was just giving something personally for me and I was waiting for interpretation. And as I was praying in the Holy Ghost, the Lord led me to the book of John chapter 11. And this, more specifically, John chapter 11 and verse 25. And the scripture almost exploded and came out at me. Jesus speaking and saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And in a split second, God took me back to a time when I was between the ages of 12 and 16 years old, almost like the Lord was reminding something, reminding me of something that I'd long since forgotten. And as I was thinking, praying over this, I'm the, res the resurrection and the life, I remembered a time during those years where on Saturday afternoons when my brother was surfing, my dad was working overtime, my mom was at the shops, I would sit at home and watch the reruns of the old Billy Graham Crusades and the Oral Roberts 10 Crusades, they used to show it back then on SABC, I can't remember it was one, two, or three, and they used to show those Crusades, and, and I would sit there as a 13, 14-year-old child, and I remember how I would sit in front of the TV weeping. Now, I didn't have a close walk with the Lord back then, mind you, okay? I attended a full gospel church, I lived a nominal Christian life, my wife and I were already boyfriend and girlfriend, we were dating, but I wasn't really serious about the things of God, but one of the things I was serious about, for whatever, is watching these shows of tens of thousands of people making their way as Billy Graham and his, 
and his, and his orchestra sang Amazing Grace, flooding down to the altars in the front. And I remember putting my hands on the TV screen, and I used to pray and say, Lord, use me like that one day. May I win tens of thousands of people to you, Lord Jesus, not for my glory, but that you may be magnified. This little guy from Toti who doesn't know anybody and nobody knows him, I pray that you would use me. And I'd watch Oral Roberts pray for kids with polio. And I would see, and it's so interesting, Pastor Johnny, how the Lord brought us to walk in the footsteps of this giant Apostle Theo who built the ministry really on signs, wonders, and miracles. It's no coincidence. Listen to me. It's no coincidence. And I would watch Oral Roberts pray for these kids, and he had such a peculiar way. And all of a sudden, these shackles would break. I mean, every single kid that went in there with braces because of polio, the braces would break off. It was like Forrest Gump on steroids. And these kids would get miraculously healed. And I'd place my hand on the TV screen, and I'd say, Father, I thank you that your healing power flows through me to see the oppressed delivered, the sick healed in the name of Jesus as a young boy. And while I'm reading the scripture at prayer on Wednesday, out of the blue, all of a sudden, I start remembering these things. I remember laying on my bed at the age of 15, reading two books by Catherine Kuhlman. God can do it again. And I believe in miracles. I was 15 years old, and I'd cry, to, cry myself to sleep at night, saying, Lord, I'm available. You know, use me if you want to. And the Lord spoke to me and said to me, what happened to those dreams? I didn't realize up until this past Wednesday morning that there were things that God, that I'd prayed for, that I'd asked the Lord to do, that had died 30 years ago. And the Lord said to me, because I asked the Lord, I said, why this scripture, why this verse? And I realized that the Lord was stirring me up, and all of a sudden, God began to give me a, mess, give me a message that I believe is for tonight. And I don't know how many of you find yourself in the same place. I don't, know many, I, don't know, I don't know how many of you in the past have dreamed something so grandiose to either do something or be someone for Jesus, and it just became so difficult that eventually it died. I believe not only is this word for me, but this word is for you tonight. You see, three questions rose up in my spirit as I read this account of Lazarus being resurrected, and I asked myself this question. Was this miracle that took place in the life of Lazarus was it just simply to confirm that Christ had the power to raise everyone to eternal life? Was that, was that it? And I think that, I think that was part of it. But if that wasn't the only thing that happened, if that resurrecting power was not just to raise Lazarus or to cause me to be born again or to take me to heaven one day, why was God, why is God giving that to us tonight? None of us are physically dead, but there's something that's died. And this is a fresh start, friends. 2020 is a fresh start. And I'm saying that Jesus is as much the resurrection and the life today as he was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And I declare in Jesus' name that it takes far less power. It takes far less power from God to resurrect a dead dream than it does a dead person. The great thing is Lazarus wasn't even awake for it. He didn't even need faith for it. It was a kairos thing that God did for him. And that's where my faith level is at tonight. 
That's where my faith level is at tonight. So I asked myself that question. The second question I asked myself was this. Is it more difficult for God to raise a body or a dream? And I realized if I was God, I think I'd far rather raise a dream than a person. Thank God I'm not the Lord. But. And then I began to ponder on how much faith and support does one need for that which is dead to be resurrected? You see, Lazarus could not believe, he could not agree with Jesus, according to Mark 11, 23 and 24. He was dead. Lazarus did nothing. He contributed nothing towards his resurrection. I want to tell you tonight that God's going to do something in your life, regardless of whether you are awake or you are asleep. I'm telling you now, the Lord's going to do something. I don't know what it is just yet, but I know he's going to do something. You see, Lazarus could not believe nor agree with Jesus. In actual fact, no one else around Lazarus who was dead was believing on his behalf. And we're going to pick this up in the story. So now as I journey through this account of Lazarus tonight in the concluding 20 minutes, as I journey through this account of Lazarus, I want you to consider in the light of what I've just spoken about, dead dreams the dead dreams that God has placed in your heart over the years that have perhaps not been realized. And I want you to think of your dream as Lazarus. Listen, you could be dreaming for something simple tonight, like a happy marriage. <laughs> That's not simple. <laughs> that went, <laughs> how many of you know happy marriages are not a simple thing? Can I get a witness? You know, we're supposed to start our messages on a funny note. I thought that was it, but clearly you guys, you guys have got it down. But perhaps, perhaps you've been struggling in your marriage for so long. You believe God for a long time just to heal this thing and to make it whole so the two of you could be together and work together and have the same goals and visions, and you just gave up on that. Perhaps you've just become comfortably uncomfortable. Perhaps a dream of yours was to enter into full-time ministry, and that has long since died. Perhaps it is to own your own business, and the difficult economy in South Africa made it so difficult for you to take that step of faith, perhaps that, perhaps your dream is something, is just to have children or maybe adopt children. How about this, to, to have your own home paid for in full sooner than 20 years? Perhaps it's a more complicated issue like just being unconditionally loved by someone. There's a lot of lonely people out there, let me tell you. There's a lot of lonely people, there's a lot of lonely Christians waiting for the right person to come along. Perhaps your dream has been just to be free from addiction. Perhaps you find yourself tonight just caught in a cycle where it's the same thing over and over again, falling into the same trap. In actual fact, you've become so used to falling in a trap, you know it's there and you step in it anyway. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's happened so many times, you've fallen into it so many times, you just know it's going to happen again. And so you become discouraged that anything is ever going to change for you. Lord, this is who I am. Perhaps that dream to live completely free is something that's in your heart. Perhaps you want to be free from dependency on medication or something that you know you need every single day in order just to survive. You're just trusting the Lord to be your freedom and say, Jesus, I just want to be free from that thing. You're my cup. All I want to drink from is you. Perhaps that's you. Perhaps it's just to be happy or to be content. You know, Jonas Salk, he's the chap that developed the vaccine for polio. He said this, he says, I've had dreams and I've had nightmares. I've overcome my nightmares because of my dreams. But the thing is, when you lose sight of that dream, 
the nightmares prevail. And the nightmares become just part of your life. Now, I know I'm not speaking to everybody. I don't want to be presumptuous and make out like everybody's broken, busted, and disgusted. But like I said, it could be any dream at any time that you just laid to rest. You might not even remember it as you're sitting here right now. But as I teach the Word of God and as I speak about the story, you're going to remember like I did last Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. in the morning that there's something in you that died. It's actually been dead so long it stinketh. It's been locked away. Just like Lazarus was in that tomb with a stone rolled in front of it that you couldn't see inside anymore. You couldn't hear what it was saying. You didn't know where it was. Perhaps your dream has been tucked so far away that you don't even know where it is anymore. Those are the folks I believe the Lord wants to touch and speak to tonight. So turn with me, please. In your, uh, You can read on the note. I'm going to be reading from the message translation. Um, and I'm going to be taking a whole bunch of scripture. So I suggest that you follow on the board and then get the recording and, and listen to it later. But just, just here, I want, I want you to catch something tonight, okay? Reading from John chapter 11, it says, A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who, messaged the, who massaged the Lord's feet. <laughs> who messaged the Lord's feet. Feet, please just, okay. <laughs> How am I going to come back from that? Okay, this was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, and this is what they said, Master, the one you love is so very much, so, so very much is sick. The one you love is so very much is sick. Jesus and Lazarus had a very close relationship. You see, Lazarus knew Jesus, but he didn't have the word. He had the relationship, but he didn't have the word. He had the relationship, but he didn't have the word. You know what that tells me? You can walk in with Jesus and your dreams can still die. You can be in communion with Christ but your dreams can still die. Now, Peter, on the other hand, if you go read the account in Matthew, Peter had the rhema word, but he didn't have relationship. Remember, he stepped out of the boat on the water. Water is a type of the word. But because of a lack of revelation, when Jesus said, come, because he didn't have the revelation of the word come, Peter sank. So Peter had the logos without the relationship. Lazarus had the relationship without the word. And neither of them succeeded for a time until Jesus showed up. So sometimes you can be in close communion with the Lord and your dreams die. And you conclude from that that the Lord's not interested in making that dream come to pass. Listen, it's all about timing. Sometimes things have to die in order to be resurrected because only after they've died can God breathe his life into it and raise it up again. It's why Abram had to sacrifice Isaac. The fullness of the promise of God had to be laid on the altar being prepared to give it up. And sometimes we don't want to give it up so the Lord orchestrates things that cause it just to shrivel and die, but it's never dead. Listen to me. It's never dead. It's never dead. God's opinion supersedes and trumps what anybody else may be believing or saying or speaking around you. Listen, listen, listen carefully. Listen very carefully. When Jesus, the Bible says, when Jesus got the message, he said, 
<laughs> Talk about perspective. Mary and Martha said, the one you love so very much is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, the sickness is not fatal. <laughs> Martha wasn't saying my, my brother's dying. She just said he's sick. Yet Jesus says, don't worry, he's not going to die. If I was Martha, I was going to say, uh, that wasn't on my radar, but thanks very much. This is far more serious than what I anticipated. But before she considered it to die, Jesus said, it's not death. She should have taken that promise and that word straight away. You see, knowing Jesus is one thing. Knowing his word is another. <laughs> Walking with Jesus and loving him and worshiping in church is one thing. But I tell you, if you don't have the word... And Jesus gave her the word. He gave her the promise. Before Lazarus died, Jesus said, he won't die. So Jesus said, he makes this declaration. The sickness will, is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. Look at God's perspective versus the worldly's perspective. You see, when no one else around you is agreeing with you concerning your dream, there's a great Spanish word that we learned in Cuba. When nobody else is believing with you or nobody else is in support of you, tranquilo, tranquilo. You know what tranquilo means? Relax. Take it easy. Just chill. That's what it means, tranquilo. We get so worked up, myself and Pastor Johnny, we're from a Western culture that everything must happen now. And we say to the Cubans, andale, andale, arriba, arriba. And they look at you and say, tranquilo, pastor, tranquilo. So when no one else is around you agreeing with you concerning your dream, tranquilo, God's already spoken over you. That's all you need. You need Jesus to speak a word over you. And I believe tonight out of these verses, the Lord's going to give you the word you need to see your dream come to life again. Can someone say amen? You see, having others around you is nice, but not necessary. Having people around you supporting you is nice, but Pastor Donovan, it's not necessary. You and Jesus are the majority, brother. That's all that matters. When you got Jesus and you got his word, you are the majority. It's not necessary because when it comes to resurrecting something from the dead, all you need is a word and agreement from Jesus. Your friends do not hold the power in them to resurrect something inside of you that is dead. Only Jesus can do that. And so Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, but oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. I believe inevitably that the deader something is, the greater the glory God is going to get. Jesus wanted to leave no stone unturned. He wanted to leave no question unanswered regarding the fact that this cat was dead. If he rocked up right away, Somebody could have done CPR and said, no, he actually wasn't dead. He was just, you know, so Jesus waited. Some of you think, where's Jesus been the last 10 years? I've been waiting. My dream has been shut, locked away. This is the first time you're stirring something up in me, Pastor Andre, that I didn't even know was alive. Where's Jesus been? Mary and Martha said exactly the same thing. But it's because Jesus was more focused on glorifying God than he was on pleasing people. And let me tell you, your dream will be resurrected as long as it works towards the glorification 
of the Lord Jesus. You see, Lazarus only rocks up in John chapter 11 for the first time. He's not heard of before then. But yet Jesus loved him, which means he made no significant impact or contribution to the kingdom, except that he loved him. But I tell you what, you read John chapter 12. After Lazarus was raised from the dead, he began to create such a stir that even the Pharisees wanted him dead and began to plot to kill him. Up until the time before he was raised from the dead, up until the time before his dream began and was resurrected, Lazarus was nobody to anybody except Jesus. But after it happened, let me tell you, the enemy wanted him dead. So I must warn you that with the resurrection of your dream is going to come a whole lot of persecution because as much as God wants to raise your Lazarus to life again, the devil doesn't want him there because it will testify to the glory of the Lord. But this helps us also. Listen, this helps us. This helps us identify that what, we, what do we define as a dream and what does God endorse as his dream for us? You see, if you're looking, if you've always wanted to plant your own business just so that you can own cars and houses, God's not involved in that. The Lord's not going to raise something that glorifies you. He's not going to. He's not going to, he's not going to raise something that glorifies you. He's going to raise something that glorifies Him and in the process blesses you. Make the kingdom of God your primary concern, then all these things will be added unto you. We're talking about a fresh start. How about giving our dreams a kickstart? After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. He said, these thing, he said these things and then announced our friend, he didn't say casual acquaintance. He said our friend, he said our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going to wake him. Again, by this time, Jesus was dead. He had received reports that Jesus was dead and he calls Lazarus his friend. He says he's fallen asleep. You see, for you, your dreams may have died. But to the Lord, they were always just behind a stone wall, waiting for him to come and speak the word in order for life to be put, breathed back into each and every one of them again. Then Jesus became explicit because they didn't think. They thought, oh, well, if he's just sleeping, then let him sleep it off. That's what his disciples said. They said, oh, if he's just resting, you don't need to be involved. Just let him rest some more and he's going to get up and he's going to be fine. So Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died, he said. And I'm glad for your sakes that he wasn't, that I wasn't there. You're about to be given, listen, look at this. I love the way it's worded here. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. I'm saying to you tonight, you're about to be given and the lost people around you are about to be given new grounds for believing when they see what you dreamed long ago that died has come to life again. I love Rocky 3. Rocky 3 where Rocky fights B.A. Barabbas. I don't know how many of you remember that one. This Rocky stood out for me most more than any because B.A. just was so brazenly arrogant, just like the devil, you know. He was so brazenly arrogant. And, not, and Rocky took so many beat downs in this thing. And I was, I was reminded of Lazarus, you know, just, just being beat down. But there comes a time where you, you, you see Rocky in the ring and he's being beaten and he's falling and he's getting up and he's saying, come on, hit me, come on, hit me. Imagine that's what our posture is tonight with the devil. Give us your best shot. Jesus inside of us is greater than he that is in you. And, and Apollo Creed, Apollo Creed looks at, looks at um, his, 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 what's his cousin's name? 
Rocky's cousin, Paulie. He looks at Paulie. He says, Paulie, he's getting killed out there. Paulie says, he's not getting killed. He's getting mad. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, the Bible says over here, Jesus became righteously indignant because he, these people were struggling to grasp the fact that he is the resurrection, that he is the life, and he can breathe life into anything that is dead. So then what happens? Then Thomas says this. That's, you know, doubting Thomas. Bless his heart. We've all got one of those. We love them. We don't have dinner with them very often. Some of them are family. We don't just tolerate them. We really do love them. But shame. So Thomas says this. After Jesus has said, let's go heal him. I'm going to raise him. He's going to be fine. He's just sleeping. Thomas says this. He says, he says to his companions, come along. We might as well go die with Jesus. I mean, Jesus has just been kicked out of Jerusalem because he because they were, they were threatening him with his life. He left. Now he wants to go and throw himself back in the fray. Thomas, he's not worried about the dream coming to life again. He's just saying, oh, well, that's it. He's got no faith in his heart. No one around Lazarus is believing, even the disciple of Jesus. He said, oh, well, let's go to Jerusalem. If we're going to die, we might as well die with Jesus. Forget the miracle. How many of you know someone like that? You know, you don't want to share your dreams with everybody, I promise you, because they'll always see the cup, the cup as half full. But you don't need them to contribute. You love them, but you don't need them to contribute to the resurrection of your dream. Typical doubter. He heard nothing that Jesus said about the resurrection. All he heard was that Jesus is in trouble back in Jerusalem and he's going to get a beating. And Thomas says, oh, well, kudos to him. At least he was prepared to get whipped like a redheaded stepchild with Jesus. Look what the Bible says. It says, when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus thinks, yes, this woman's got faith. So Jesus says to her, your brother will be raised up, Martha. Martha replies, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You can imagine the Lord. I'm not talking about, he says, you don't have to wait. Bump your neighbor and say, I don't have to wait. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait for the end of time. We saw this morning in Deuteronomy that now is the time. The word is near you right now, as close as your heart beating in your chest and the words in your mouth. The time is now. Jesus says, you don't have to wait for the end of time. I am. I am right now. Resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. All. You see, as long as you've kept your faith believing in Jesus, that dream for you may have been dead, but for God, it's always over, only ever been on pause. It's only ever been on pause. After saying this, Martha went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, the teacher is here and is asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered that town, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When, the, when her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking that she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was, waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Jesus, if only you were present, my dream would not have died. Jesus, if times were different and perhaps if I had a closer walk with you, if I had greater faith in my heart, perhaps if I was involved in church more and made the kingdom of God my primary concern, perhaps if all these things, all these criteria, perhaps then if, if that was happening, my dream would not have died. Listen to me, friend, you feel that way, but that's not God's perspective. It's all about timing. And I speak by the unction of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling to you tonight, many of you, for many of you, God is about to raise to life something that you thought was long gone and dead. God is about to do something tonight. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews were there sobbing, a deep anger welled up on the inside of him and he said, where did you put him? Now this is interesting. Where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. When it came to believing that God would raise the dream up again, nobody was in agreement. But when, it, when, they, when Jesus asked the question about what has happened, who has died, why has he not accomplished what I wanted him to accomplish, all of a sudden everybody knew where loss was. Everybody knew where death was, but nobody knew where life was. Where have you buried him? They all knew exactly where to go to, to visit a Lazarus that had not accomplished his assignment in life. They all knew that. Because by nature we tend to be cynical. But the Lord is pulling us out of that today. In the, in the name of Jesus, I declare it. Now Jesus wept, the Bible says. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Among, um, others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? You see, sometimes dreams, like I said, have to really die in order for the resurrection power of God to breathe life back into them again. And then it goes on to say, after all, he opened, his eye, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time, there is a stench. How did Martha suspect if she had faith in her heart that the Lord was about to raise this dead dream? He's been dead for days. Jesus looked her in the eyes. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, he said this, go ahead and take away the stone. Listen, I believe personally that my assignment from the Lord tonight like Jesus said to roll the stone away, my responsibility is to tell you that that stone is being rolled away in the name of Jesus. Those dreams that have been dead, locked up and buried are about to be revived by the power of the Holy Ghost. After Jesus said, roll the stone away, Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do. Listen, but on account of the crowd standing here, I've spoken so that you might believe, that you, they might believe you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus. He spoke to this dead man, and tonight the Lord is speaking to your dead dream. Lazarus, come forth, be revived, be alive, be made alive again. And he came out. That was the turnaround for many of the Jews who were with Mary. Now listen, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to enter into a time 
of worship and a time of praise. I want you to focus on that thing inside of you. And perhaps now's the time to search your heart and say, Lord, what were the dreams you've placed in me, even as a child, as an adult, in the different stages of your life? What did God call you to achieve and accomplish? And it doesn't have to be full-time ministry. It doesn't have to be a church. A church plant it just has to be something that glorifies the Lord and stretches you because if you can achieve it it ain't no dream so now together I'm gonna ask the plain truth let's come together and let's worship the Lord and I'm gonna trust the Lord at the right time I'm gonna come back and we're gonna pray and I believe the Lord is gonna release a, an anointing and the same thing that he did with standing in front of that tomb Lazarus come forth I believe the same thing is going to happen here tonight. But you have to be expecting, okay? You have to be expecting the Lord's going to do something. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.